this is your life. This is your body. This is your health. This is your fertility. This is your children's health. The next generation, the next generation. This is serious. Take it seriously. Do your mm. research. Be responsible. You know, and, and let people see that we are taking this seriously and that we do care and we do want change. You're listening to the Well Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's menstrual cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility, and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers, and guide you back into your cyclical nature. This is episode 208 of the Well Woman podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to our weekly episodes to discover all the things you wish you had known when you started menstruating about your menstrual cycle. This episode today is all about embodying your feminine in a patriarchal world with my dearest friend, Kerry Louise. Kerry has a very special place in my heart as a beautiful friend, and I couldn't have thought of a better person to come and teach us and talk to us all about how we can truly embody our feminine. Now, Kerry is a teacher and a guide of the feminine arts. She combines over a decade of practice and study in the areas of tantra, somatic trauma healing, yoga, mindfulness, shamanism, and the sacred feminine arts into her work with women and couples. In her spaces, she offers her students a pathway home to the seat of their true nature and power through a journey of sacred embodiment and creative mastery. Now, Kerry is an absolute wordsmith, so you are in for such a beautiful treat today. We are talking all about, well, what is trauma and what is tantra and what is semantic healing? We dive into patriarchal conditioning and the victimhood of women and on women and how we can step into self-responsibility. We chat about the history of the patriarchal versus the matriarchal. And is this really important to know? And how is it playing out in our world today? How we can truly step into our empowered, embodied feminine how to feel our feelings fully, and despite Carrie not loving to give steps, she gives us some amazing practices of how we can embody our feminine ourselves, take full self-responsibility, and channel the beautiful divine feminine art and being that we are. So I trust that you're going to enjoy this episode as much as I did with my beautiful friend. As you're listening to this, don't forget to head over to Instagram to check Carrie out at Louise underscore, that's K-E-R-R-I-E. L-O-U-I-S-E underscore. Enjoy the episode. Kerry, welcome to the Well Woman podcast. Thanks for having me. I just want to give you a big virtual cyber hug. I know. Because <laughs> normally we get to hug in person. So this is our first Zoom meeting ever. It's just kind of weird. <laughs> especially because a couple of weekends ago for everyone who's listening, I'm in my office and Carrie was sleeping in my office. <laughs> so now oh, she's back home. This is so true. There you are in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for being here. And I can't wait for everyone who's tuning in to listen and get to know you because I love you so dearly. Mm. Um, but tell us what day of your cycle are you on and how are you tuning in, checking in and arriving today? Yeah. So I'm on day seven. So I'm at the end of my blood and there's generally quite a lot of inspiration between like day four and day seven. So I'm feeling quite fiery today and quite uh, motivated and really geared up for this conversation. 
Um, yeah. And I rested well. Like I felt like I really descended well leading up to my bleed and during my bleed. So I'm, I'm feel like I'm receiving the juiciness now of day seven, which is nice. The juiciness of the surrender into the bleed that you were like, I just wanted to hurry up and come and revive. I'm ready for it now. <laughs> yeah. And just like letting all of that stuff, like really, you know, purge and clear my system. So this period now feels like a true new beginning. And of course it lands with the new moon as well. So Mm-mm. nice. <laughs> all the, all the fresh feels. Yeah. Oh, we have you and I, we always have such amazing conversations and this is why I was like, we ha- I have to have you on the show so that everyone can just hear your beautiful geniusness. Mm. And um, I think you're one of the most aligned people who truly live their art. And for everyone who's listening, they're like, who the fuck is Carrie and what is her art? <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're going to be talking about patriarchal, you know, the feminine, the permission to the feminine, the embodying the feminine today, but why are you the person to speak to about the feminine arts and how did you get into this space? Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for the reflection because, you know, this isn't something that I do. This is something that lives through me and something that I am. It's like the path that you can't fight and you can't not walk. Um, I kind of reflect on it and and would describe it as my being and my essence rather than a label or something that I do. It's something that moves through me. And so my path was, I guess, you know, we're all innately spiritual beings and inquisitive and curious beings, you know, and, you know, I was very much uh, drawn to self-inquiry really, really early on in my life. And, that progressed naturally into yoga, um, but more specifically mindfulness meditation. That was my path. Mindfulness was my path for many, many years and a path of self-inquiry and a path of inner devotion to, you know, my internal world and my emotional state and these more subtle body bodies beyond this, this physical landscape. And I, yeah, that naturally then progressed of like, there's more, there's something deeper, there's something more here that these practices aren't yet taking me to uh, within myself. And there was, you know, there was the reality of relational trauma in my system that I was like, I I need more uh, because these same patterns keep reoccurring. And how do I liberate myself from these loops and these patterns of behavior? Because there has to be a way. And that's what led me to, you know, more of the the work with the energy bodies and Tantra and somatic, really somatic and holistic healing through not just the physical body, but the energy bodies. And Tantra has been a devotional path of mine for many years. And it's now, then it kind of weaved its way into women's work and women's circles. And now it's my, yeah, is and has been my full-time work yeah, in working with women and couples um, in deep healing and tantra and spirituality and sexuality. And that continues to evolve. And it's really the way that I teach now is is really the woven, the weaving of all of the things that have really been so deeply healing and liberating for me in my life. Mm. For everyone who's listening, they're probably like, well, this chick speaks on a completely fucking different level to me. <laughs> And it's so beautiful because I really do feel you are, you know, the epitome of your art. Yeah. And I think that it's one thing to be like, oh, I'm a really great blah, blah, blah. But then you don't actually practice or embody that. 
and you really are the true embodier. And I think it's so beautiful. So there's people who make me cry. (laughs) She's fiery. Let her be fiery. (laughs) So beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, But there's some people who are listening and they're probably hearing these concepts for like the very first time. So let's just quick overview. What is Tantra? And a lot of people think Tantra is sex. And oh my God, we have the most tantric sex. So what is Tantra? Like, Give us a quick run through on Tantra. I feel it's very elusive. And um, we spend in my facilitator training, we, we spend like a whole lecture call going through tantra um i feel like all spiritual paths there are many lineages and many offshoots and many interpretations and i feel that can be the cause for debate and it can also be the cause for beauty and 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 our personal channel and our personal interpretations not from the ego but from the body and the channel to come through so my the way that I have been taught and connect with Tantra is Tantra wasn't a path in which we needed to remove ourselves from society. It was, you know, it was essentially like the teachings that were, that came together as like a melting pot of things that spiritual practices that were being taught at the time. And it was like just a way of life. So it is just a, a book, you know, it's a series of, was a series of books on teachings and spiritual practices that anyone could bring into their life So some teachers will call it kind of like the householder's spirituality or the householder's path because it wasn't like I need to go into the mountains and remove myself from society, but it was for those that are in relationship in the household, raising children or whatever that looks like. And that's, you know, neo-tantra, which was really where kind of like the sexuality started to come into it, it, you know, has kind of dominated the realm of tantra but it's one small part, of course, we're going to bring our spiritual, you know, embodiment into our intimate relationships and into sexuality because it's it's a path of relationship. It's not a path of abstaining from relating or abstaining from sex. It's a path of relationship, but that includes sexuality, includes intimacy, and it includes the way we relate in a non-sexual way as well. So it's all of it. It's kind of like saying yoga is the asana is like saying tantra is sex you know it's it's such a small part of it Mm, like the one limb of tantra the one (laughs) thing and of course because we're multifaceted human beings and sex is a part we're in this you know uh, I don't want to make a generalization but generally if we're in this society sex is a part of our reality and so to have healthy functional regulated true ways of approaching sexuality has to be part of it because if we ignore that, there's so much shadow and so much distortion that can come through in that space. Mm, and I think shadow and distortion comes through in so many spaces, but particularly around, oh, I could go on a tangent, <laughs> particularly, particularly around it. sexuality because, okay, well, what about the sexuality expression of, you know, the 19th century, the early 19th century? versus sexual expression today versus sexual expression in like the 16th century. So things are so different and, you know, we will talk about being in a patriarchal world and how we can really embody the matriarchal within ourselves. But there's so much in that to unpack. And I think that, yeah, you know, I love that you just said Tantra is a way of life and it's a way of living, a way of being, and it's not just one asana 
of of yoga, aka one thing of tantra. Yeah, like one posture means I'm innately just a this like wildly sexual being. It's like, you know, like as an you know, an external thing. It's be nice that one posture just does everything. (laughs) One posture does exactly one posture does everything. It's like it's not it's not reality. And I think the world that we live in is so pleasing to be like, you just need to do this one thing and then everything will happen for you. Right. There's, but, that, there's that mind. It's like very alluring thing of the ego to be like, mm, oh, give me the one answer. Let me grasp at this thing. Someone tell me this thing and that'll solve all of my problems. And there's no, you know, in Tantra, it's really about holding sensation and holding energy and holding discomfort in the body and learning to be masterful with that energy. And so there's no rushing towards this place of release. There's no rushing towards this place. It's like it is full presence in the moment of being with what's here, including our reality, you know, externally and our internal reality and how we're responding to each situation. Mm, And that's, you know, we need to have the awareness of how we're acting and how we're behaving and how we're turning up to be able to do that. So you also mentioned about somatic healing. So quickly, what's an overview? Like what is somatic healing? Because some people are like, what the fuck is that shit? (laughs) Yeah. So it's interesting because like I I use, I'll I'll say I use the word because it's more accessible and, and people are starting to understand somatic like trauma healing or it's another lens of like embodiment, uh, like soma being the body. But the way that I work, because I also encompass the spiritual aspects is I don't just work with the physical body, not that we do necessarily in trauma healing, but because my my background is deeply spiritual, I work not just with like the physical body, but I'm working with the emotional and mental bodies, which, you know, is is done in in healing and also the energy bodies and the intuitive bodies. So the womb consciousness you know, these intuitive uh, frequencies that we have inside of us, like the intuition of the heart, the intuition of the mind. Um, and then though that that bliss body, that ecstatic body, which is our our oneness, but isn't a, has to be integrated into like also the reality that we're living in, the very human <laughs> reality. So somatic healing for me is 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 one way to label it. But if I was going to really, you know, say what I do, it is true embodiment from a physical and spiritual perspective. Mm, You really kind of encompass all the areas. And something that I teach in cyclical school is having a four pillar approach. And you have most people focus on like the nutritional and physical and they're like, but I'm doing all the things, but I don't have the body I love, or, you know, I haven't attracted the right person into my life. And I'm always like, well, your table is half wonky. Like what about the other pillars of the energetics and the emotional? And that's where, you know, you're expanding into like womb consciousness and the energies and, you know, being intuitive. And I think that a lot of the world is so disconnected and really, you know, asleep to those concepts, whereas we're slowly wakening up. And so we're going to talk about how we can do that, all of those things. Can I comment on one of those things? Yeah, please do. (laughs) Yeah, I think that whole thing of I'm doing all of the right things, why don't I have what I want? It, it innately is in denial. It's like, it, it's, it's mind-based. It's I, if, what do I do? To, it's, it's, it's part of our patriarchal conditioning of what do I do to get the thing? How do I have to look? How do I have to behave? How do I have to be to get the thing? 
you know, but once we get the thing, can we actually hold it? Once we get the thing, is it actually true? Like, is it deeply fulfilling? Are we deeply present? And it it doesn't work, you know, if it's trying to get something from the mind because it's going to make us more valid. It doesn't work. It doesn't stick. We can't sustain it. We can't hold it, you know, rather than, you know, what is actually true and coming into it from that that place of like, if I'm not seeing it in my reality, something unconsciously needs to be healed. And if I come into the body and if I heal these things, not only will I have what I want, but I'll it'll, I'll keep it, you know, it's, it's true. It's not going anywhere. I don't have to do anything to maintain it. It's just, it's mine. It's, you know, not that we have ownership, but it's like, it's here. And, you know, we have a lot of like self-abandonment to get what we think we want rather than like, oh, I don't have to abandon myself to have everything that is actually mine. It's a very different way of approaching life. It's completely different. And I think a lot of listeners are like, what? How do you do that? Like, <laughs> right? Is that a, is that a thing? Is that, is, hang on. That's not even possible. Like, Because I, I, I will fuck people's minds up. So all of the mental stuff that wants to fight it will come up. But, mm. you know, my invitation is always like feel the truth of it in your body because yes. that's all that matters. And you mentioned about patriarchal conditioning, and I think it's a great place for us to start because so many of us can recognize the conditioning because we're living in the conditioning or we have been conditioned. And I think this is such a foundational knowledge step because without recognizing seeing where we're being conditioned, we can't really create steps and changes to embrace and embody the opposite or the other. So let's take talk about it. Patriarchal conditioning what is patriarchal conditioning? And can you highlight some of the most common patriarchal conditions? Great question. Um, <laughs> you know, at the very, very core of it, it would be a victim stance of women, uh, that women are victims. So this will, you know, fuck people up because it really it takes away any of that mind stuff. It takes away any of that victimhood because when we can continually work with that even though victimhood is a natural state of the ego mind in our culture and it's very strong you know as we start to work with this all we have left is self-responsibility for what we're creating and what we're how we're moving in the world and how we're in relationship with ourselves and other people if we buy into the victim stance, we immediately give up our power because power and not from like a compensation kind of perspective, but power is self-responsibility. They are one and the same thing. And for us to have a clear channel of self-responsibility, which means we are then creating what we actually truly consciously desire in the world rather than creating from our unconscious wounds and then becoming victimized by it, we have to really be willing to look at what those wounds are, look at the subconscious, look at what's happening in the background because everything that I work with with women in my spaces is you literally have like it's like a if you went to an outdoor cinema, you know, you have this big screen, this like projecting screen and it's like that's your life and what you're seeing is both your conscious creations and your unconscious creations. 
So you're either victimized by what you've created or you're like, you know, might get fucking mad about it and cry about it and feel what you have to feel because you're human and we need to feel our feelings. And only when we feel our feelings truly can we actually then say, fuck, that is a layer of my wounding and I have created that and I've projected that onto the screen. Any other way of like, oh, I don't like what I'm seeing. Reality is fucked. My relationships are fucked. You know, like, you know, all these victim stances. It's like if you embody that, where's your power? It's not inside of you. It's outside of you. And that is not something I would ever want a woman to live with, to think that, you know, her power was external. Doesn't help anyone. Doesn't help anybody. Mm -mm. And I think like the thought that just popped to mind is, and I'm just thinking of our listeners, you know, coming here to learn a lot about the cycle and like, well, what's Gemma talking about now to do with the menstrual cycle is that I find too many people accept that they have endometriosis or PCOS or fibroids or infertility or, you know, oh, you're post 35. So you are a geriatric mother. And so it's going to be really hard for you to conceive. And it's going to be hard for you to carry pregnancy full term. And it's going to be hard for you to birth on your own. And listen to all of that, like that in my body, just as you say all of that, I'm like, lucky that doesn't stick in my body because that's a fucking lot. Like if you have wounds and open spaces for that to take up residence Mm. because you believe that shit to be true, that's an exhausting existence, exhausting life. You're working against yourself and it's like, it just takes up life force. It's very distracting. Like if you're constantly fixing a problem at the surface, it's a great, and this is a big one for people to really get. It's a great distraction from what you're actually creating and taking responsibility. And, mm-hmm. you know, with the mind, like essentially at the core of patriarchal conditioning is the mind likes to feed off you. The ego likes to feed off your life force likes to create problems. If you can, someone externally can give you a problem that you believe to be true and then you can sit in that and just like that becomes your reality, it becomes your identity and you believe you're sick and you believe you're unwell, like, well, great, there's the patriarchy, you're broken. And I love how Jane always says that words are spells and when you, I'm always forever correcting my clients and my students that, and like, oh, but what about the, you know, the issue of endometriosis? I'm like, hang on, it's not an issue. It's just a challenge. If you allow it to be a challenge, if you make it an issue, it will become an issue, like a bigger issue. And that's like, to simplify the whole concept is like, that's the conditioning. Like we live in a world that is so patriarchal based that, you know, tells us that we have problems and that we have to live with the problem or we have a health challenge and we become that health challenge and we have to live with the health challenge. What if we don't live with the health challenge? We embody who we are so much that we overcome the health challenge. And that's the angle you're coming from, correct or not correct? Yeah, like, yeah, totally. Um, I like to be really specific about language, because, mm. you know, because words are really important. We have a very masculine, limited language um, in the English language. And so, yeah, it, it becomes what, what patriarchal conditioning essentially wants us to do is create an identity based on our brokenness based on our victimhood, based on the way that we can, can't can thrive 
you know, and it's not even about overcoming something. It's about embodying it, inquiring so deeply as to what is at the root of that imbalance, both physically, emotionally, mentally, like trauma and our conditioning is like the number one thing that is at the core of all of this imbalance. It's like make people think they're broken, dysregulate their nervous systems, bring them shame for how it feels to naturally live. And we will create an entire identity that is so far and disconnected from our natural state of being. Like I was having, I have this conversation, I think we're having it the other day of like, why would, as nature intended, why would living healthily, giving birth, bleeding, mothering be innately challenging? Like, of course it's challenging, but why would it be innately broken? And the thing that's going to like be the hardest thing that you ever do, because that would be a flaw in nature that would be a flaw in the system it would be a flaw in you know it's like if we are by design here to continue on the evolution of humanity and to bleed and to mother and to birth and of course it's challenging because these are rites of passage and they hold with them deep wisdom we have to confront our internal challenges and pains and emotions and things like that but that's a blessing it's not something to be overcome. It's not something to be demonized. It's a blessing and it's a gift to be that human and to walk this path. And nature isn't flawed. It has a divine plan. And the system wants us to believe that these things are that are natural are problematic and flawed. And they're not. They're a gift. Our body is a gift. Our body is not flawed. Our body is not broken, but if we believe the conditioning to be true, there are so many ways that that can infiltrate. Mm. I'm like, somebody hold me back. You know, when you want to, you want to be in a fight and if you don't really want to fight, you're like, hold me back. Somebody hold me back. You know, because that's the core, like one of the biggest taught woundings in the sense that it might not be verbally taught, but in some aspects it is, but it's also a verbally, um, sorry, visually acknowledged that we have to shun all of these great rites of passage and these great experience of, tr- of transformation and learnings around menarche, your first menstruation that, you know, I saw a video the other day that was shared and it was like a seven-year-old girl. And she's like, I don't want to get my period like my mom, because why would I want to be so in so much pain? I'm like, that's not the purpose of a period like at all. And that's the accepted experience from that mother, not the true lived experience of what, you know, menstruation is the divine art of. And I think that, you know, patriarchal just has reinstilled the the shame and the trauma in so much and instilled the wounding that, yeah, we are supposed to be in pain and we are supposed to have painful periods or, you know, heavy bleeds or, you know, all like we could just go on forever on this particular, mm. I could anyway on the tangent, but I think it really comes back that not enough of us women and those who bleed know or are aware of the history of the matriarchal and the patriarchal and like the unraveling of that. Would you be able to share with us for like five minutes what was once the matriarchal and how do we become the patriarchal and the history of the alignment? Because I feel like that's a really great area that you would know. Yeah. So I want to speak just briefly into what you were saying around like our relationship to pain, because this is also where the conditioning creeps in. 
um, of like the pain holds deep wisdom and deep teachings and it's our relationship with pain. It's neither an avoidance nor being victimized by it. It's neither of those. It's an opening to what we are conditioned to avoid. This is our whole patriarchal conditioning. Like, oh, let's take a drug. Oh, let's take the pill. I was thinking of birth. Yeah, let's, you know, override everything. It's like pain, like deep pain. And we have a lot of deep grief and pain to feel collectively. If we don't allow that to happen, like we are missing our initiations, like menstruation. It's like there is going to be pain with menarche. It's it's our first rite of passage, so you don't want it to be debilitating. That would like that would symbolize dysfunction in us in the system to me. But there's going to be discomfort. There's going to be an initiation. There's going to be, you know, because we are initiating our, our our systems, our nervous system to hold more energy, to be with more sensation, to be with more tension, to be with more discomfort in the lead up to, you know, perhaps childbirth later on. So there has to be a relationship and a functional relationship with pain that it is neither something to be avoided or glossed over and not also something to be victimised by so that we're actually creating and and respecting pain for what it is, which is energy moving through our body rather than all of this conditioning that we have around our relationship with it. And where are the women that can hold us so we can actually be initiated into our pain, right? Rather than like we have these preferences over what is a a good sensation and what is a bad sensation, what is a good emotion, what is a bad emotion. It's like it's all just stuff moving in our system. Like what is? It's just what is. Yeah. And so for me, like I don't. Uh, you know, matriarchal society. I don't like to buy into what tends to happen in terms of like there's this idealist utopian existence. There was never that that didn't exist. The garden, like even if we go back to the story of Adam and Eve, right? It was like even the Garden of Eden got fucked up, right? Like we're human. That is that is we, what we are. We're innately human. Um, we have shadow and unconscious behaviors, and we have desire you know, and that desire will illuminate all, both the light and the shadow and the dark, and it's for us to work with. And so for me, there is like the patriarchal doesn't relate to the healthy masculine at all. You know, this is not something to do with men, you know, and the matriarchal isn't like the, you know, power over by women, like, you know, matriarchal is that we're allowing a woman-centered or a mother-centered society where women attended to, they're protected, they're cared for as we are, because we are vulnerable. We are vulnerable beings. We are innately, I believe we are spiritually much more powerful but physically we are more vulnerable. That is the reality. When we bleed, when we birth, when we're in the early stages of motherhood, we are physically more vulnerable. It requires tending to, it requires protection energetically of the space. It requires community support. And that is what it means to have 
whether it's a matriarchal society or a patriarchal society, it doesn't really matter. That's just a functional society. I think sometimes we get caught up in like the swing, the backlash of like what is a dysfunctional society, labeling it as the patriarchal patriarchy and coming back to a matriarchy. It's like a, a functional society doesn't really have any of that. It's just we are. We're, mm. we're in our biological natural roles as men and women and we are in connection with the functions of our body and how do we support each other to do that? Like there's there's the natural roles of men and how are women in support of our men and how are men in support of our women? That's a functional society. I think it um, is without labels. And I think a society where people take self-responsibility. If it was all self-responsibility, we don't need the overarching thing of like, is it a woman-centered society or a man-centered society? That just, for me, creates more imbalance and 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 shows, you know, when I felt when I feel that in my body, that pull for like a matriarchal thing, it's like there is a, a disconnect in that. It's true, yes, the women need to be served, but there is also a a natural serving of, from both sides. Like we all, we're self-responsible, we're service-based, we're soul-led and that is just a functional society. If it has a, if it has a name, great. <laughs> Maybe it is matriarchal. Who knows? But I Who think knows? what you're, what you're saying is that, you know, if you buy into the fact that we need a matriarchal society and we label it like that, like that's coming from wounding too. It can be, it can be mm. just for me, it's less about the the label and more about the energetics behind it. And so people will use that languaging in a really grounded way that encompasses the whole. And some people will also use it from a wounded place based on unresolved things mm. from the way we've been raised, you know? And I feel like there's a lot of people who are, you know, really they, they buy into the frustration of like, well, we grew up in a patriarchal society and that's what's fucking wrong with the world. So we need more matriarchal. But ultimately, if those people who feel that way around the patriarchal took more self-responsibility, then they would naturally gravitate towards that matriarchal ultimately, which is the balance of, you know, having a healthy feminine and a healthy, healthy masculine within the society without the label. And I don't feel that enough people or people are too quick to point the finger and the blame on something as opposed to, like you said, take the self-responsibility and like, well, how can I show up in my little family unit or my little relationship unit and my community unit in self full self-responsibility? Exactly. And like, I always will just look at, for me, the functionings of my, you know, my partnership and my relationship in how I'm embodying these things and it's just equal responsibility on both parts and there is no power play like when there is power or domination over in any way from an unclean place it leads to disconnection and it leads to rupture so it is being really in like very deeply grounded in the body very able to regulate ourselves and be self-responsible self-responsible for our needs, you know, our communication and, you know, inviting the other person into that world. And when I focus on my relationship, if I focus on sacred union and, and, and my self-responsibility, my embodiment in that, 
that relationship creates the foundation of what I would hope society then would look like. And it's like, of course, I have different needs when I'm bleeding. Of course, when I go through birth and step into motherhood, the dynamic shifts, of course, there is no linear. This is a constant evolution and a constant relationship with what's true in each moment and a capacity to know that and communicate that. Like our society, we're trying to raise that and create this like linear rule or this linear way of being, like we're saying before, of like, if I do this thing, I'll get this thing. And it's like, well, what's actually true in the moment? And it's like if each each need, the needs of both people are being met and the needs of the wider community are being met, that's a functioning society. Mm. Oh, there's so many little side little. I think I'm just thinking of an octopus. Like we're at the core of the octopus and there's lots of tentacles we could go down here. Um, I really want to talk about the victimhood of wom- of women. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the I feel that I, I love to say, well, women make the earth go round, you know, because we are the ultimate reproductors and reproducers mm-hmm. of, you know, society. But at the same time, I feel that there's so much victimhood that women buy into that we can, you know, actually start self-addressing. And for everyone listening, we are going to talk about how can we start embodying these things that Kerry's talking about and how can we live in this way. But before we get there, I think it's important to touch on victimhood of women. And I know that you're really passionate about this. And for me, I feel that so much around each of those particular rites of passage that we've spoken of. So menarch, to birth, so maiden, to mother, to maga, menopause, they're all very much controlled by masculine entities, you know, so we can look at the medical system, but also we can look at in general relationships, if we take uh, an approach of us versus pointing the finger at them, and we look at me and I and us as a couple or a unity, What can we do? You know, how do we turn up in those rites of passage? How do we support our daughters? How do we support ourselves through Mm. birth as opposed to falling into that? Well, you're not empowered enough. You can't do it yourself. And so because you can't do it yourself, you have to do it this way. So there's so much of this going on out there in the world. And I know, you know, particularly you and I love talking about this because over the next few years, as we journey into our own sacred transformation of rite of passage of mother, um, you know, we're very interested in this particular topic, but let's talk about victim, um, victimhood on women. So what are you seeing and what is victimhood on, on women? And can you give it to us really simply? So people are like, fuck, that could be me. Or I do that to other women. Yeah. So I feel like what you said about like, you know, men are, don't, you know, in these systems, you know, that are perpetuating victimhood of women. But what we have to realize at the core of that is that those are men embodying a false sense of power, a false sense of power over. So it is a wounded energy. When we can flip because our perspective, what I see at the core of women is that perspective is we believe that power over to be something that we need to take or it hits a gap in us of like, that means I have no power here. So if we meet someone coming from a wounded energy that's trying to have power over us and and it feels like a bigger energy, it isn't a an opportunity for us to collapse. It's an opportunity for us to have self-inquiry of like, I know that they're saying that this is the thing. And if we look at like, you know, let's talk about um, childbirth because it is really the pinnacle of of all of it where we see the biggest rupture. Um, it's the greatest, you know, clearest landscape we can look at. That might be 
the perspective of the system as to what is best for you, but you are the authority over what is best for you. If you take the external and you take, even though they might come in with a dominating energy, a forceful energy, the more force that's required for somebody to get something through and across the line, the less it's actually sustainable and true. Truth is is simple. Truth is is what is. It doesn't require all of this energy. And it's felt. It's felt, right? So it is when you're feeling the force, when you're feeling this like a lot of energy kind of coming at you, it's a surefire way to know that there is, there might be truth in it, absolutely, but there's also wounding inside of it. So how do we meet those situations where people are dominating you know, where they're dominating over. It's not an opportunity to shy away from conflict and conversation. This is the thing women are taught to just like, oh, don't be inside of conflict. Like it's like, no, submit and just go, okay, cool. We can do that. Yes. That's what we'll do. Well, you know better than me because you're, there's a lot of, you know, you're, you're sounding very professional and dominating and all this stuff. We have to separate out what's clean energy and what is you know trying to convince us of something and if something's trying to we're trying to be convinced of something there's a red flag there right so it's like those opportunities inside of conflict in a really practical way of like we need to look at ourselves internally of like where am I allowing myself to be dominating dominated where does that then cause me to either collapse or react and where can I actually say, hold on, I need a moment. What does this actually feel? And 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 rather than it being black and white, where's all the space of gray? Where's all the nuance? Where's the actual relationship and conversation? Because a functional society outside of a patriarchal narrative is equal. It's relationship, it's conversation, it's communication. It's taking both people into consideration rather than a system dominating and telling somebody what is best for them. Mm. It's giving someone the right to choose irrespective of their choice. And that's re- that involves us being responsible and showing up to the conversation and not just taking the shit that people give us. Yep. Because and they I, know better. Or we believe they know better, but do they, they really believe, know better? Yeah. Well, this is the thing. We've shut off from our inner authority, right? We don't mm-hmm. have a connection to our in a well of truth and our wombs and our creative channel. This is deep. This is really deep. It's always deep with me. I oh, know. I love it. Um, <laughs> I always love it. Um, it's it's interesting though because let's just talk about. You can bring me back to practicality whenever you want, just like <laughs> I'll always take okay. it into the depths and you're like, okay, we need to like give this. And we're surfing. fishing and we're winding <laughs> her back, just bringing her back to shore. Um, no, it's good. Being deep is really good because. There, even just over the weekend, I had a student in cyclical school um, say that she went to see a doctor about her cycle and her cycle has been quite irregular. And, you know, students of cyclical school, even though they're becoming certified menstrual cycle coaches, doesn't mean we have an ideal cycle and not everyone has an, an ideal cycle. And what the fuck is in an, an ideal cycle? Like the cycle brings the lessons that we need. Right. So right. she left that, um, you know, doctor's meeting and she lives um, in a different country to where we live. And she'd had a terrible experience where she felt like she was overpowered. She didn't get to like share her needs, didn't get to speak her voice and walked out feeling like 
you know, like a puppy with a tail between your legs, like you've just done a shit in, you know, like in the lounge room on the carpet. And um, she felt really disempowered. And she's like, well, if I feel like this and I already know a lot about the cycle, how do other people feel? So in those situations, I feel that, yes, there is someone who we see as someone of authority because what we perceive them to have a white collar job. But I think what we need to remind, and I'd love to hear your outlook on this, this is why I'm sharing, is that I think what I, well, what I'm always reminding students and clients about is that those people, they might be of a white collar position, you could say, but they're also there to provide a service. And we have to take self-responsibility in knowing, well, I'm walking into this appointment. What would I like to share with them? What would I like to receive? And what do I want to walk away with? And when we know those things, we're taking responsibility of our part in, in the process, but we're also walking in much more embodied and empowered because we know why we're doing the thing that we're about to do, go to see the doctor, for example. And this doesn't show that all doctors are bad because I don't think doctors are bad. I think it's our approach to understanding their role and our role in seeing a doctor. And in those situations, like I, even I've had this, where the doctors just completely squashed me and I've walked out being like, oh my God, I, I know, I know jack shit about my body. Instead of feeling empowered, I'm like, oh, wow, I can actually receive full support in what I need for my body right now. Mm -hmm. So speak to that. Like, what are your thoughts on working with people in that space? So let's just say you're working with a doctor around birth or pregnancy, or you're working with a doctor around having endometriosis or having fibroids or, you know, anything in that, that area, what can we do to embody and take self-responsibility? Mm-hmm. So firstly, it's all relationship. And if somebody has more knowledge than you do on something, which I would assume in these cases, that's what we're you know, that's what we're saying that these these health professionals have. They might not have the full scope, but they've got some wisdom and some knowledge that that could, you know, could be of use. Um, there could be some stuff that's maybe obviously not of use, but it's a relationship. You're coming to it. You're both equally human. This is what we forget. It's like we both have equal power. We both have equal responsibility. It's a relationship. And how do the systems change if we aren't actually saying what we need and having the conversations and asking the questions? So if that was me in that situation, I would be sitting there and being like, I don't understand. Can you please explain that in a different way? Or what I'm hearing is this, but what I actually want to know. And they might not have the information. I would hope that you would be working with somebody that would be like, do you know what? That's a really valid question. And I don't know if they're getting defensive or they're being dismissive or something. That's their inadequacy. That's their unwillingness to meet inside of a relationship and accept and that there's another person in that conversation like a relationship holds space for the other person and is willing to have those. If it's, if it's a dominant energy, it, for me, it symbolizes inadequacy and an unwillingness to be in relationship. So I'd be questioning who we're working with, but also like, okay, I need to have another conversation with this person. Can they give me the information that I need? Are they listening to me? Do they hear me? Mm. Or all, or, or, or what they're doing is just they want to, you know, get as many patients through in a day because I know the systems are fucked and this isn't anything against doctors because I know, you know, the inner workings of that. The it's pressure. Like the pressure. It's not 
okay. Like this is a whole, this system, the whole system is fucked, but it starts with us asking the questions, doing the research, looking up stuff, like looking up stuff online and being like, this is what I've heard. What do you think about this? If they're shutting down, they're being dismissive, they're not open to your inquiries, they're not a health professional that you want to be working with. And there are many, many good ones that will meet you in those conversations mm-hmm. because you need to be met. You've got questions. And if that person is truly in service to us, which we want them to be, and we we want to shift that dynamic, which we all should be doing then they are here to serve and support us to make the decision that is best for us. They are not here to impose a solution that they believe through training is what's right for us. Mm, And I think there's a lot of people who will be listening to this being like, oh, God, I wish I had learned that 10 years ago or five years ago or last weekend before I went to this thing this week. Same. Um, <laughs> you know, and we've all been there, but I think us having those experiences helps us recognize that we actually can make a change for the next experience that we have. And I think the most empowered you can be when you're seeking authority, you know, support and nurturing is to be prepared, like write out your questions on a piece of paper, take it in with a notepad and a pen. Like they're going to be like, holy moly, this person is serious. You know, well, and we so, should be serious. Yeah. This is our health. Yes. And our health equals us being, you know, having the ability to take full self-responsibility because when we are, you know, living in a healthy vessel, we can channel so much and that helps amplify our own self-responsibility, which is how we turn up in the world, how we turn up for ourselves and others. And like, what is it saying for women if we aren't serious about this stuff? Like, are we serious about our fertility? Are we serious about our health? Are we serious about ourselves? Do we take ourselves seriously Mm. or do we not? You know, because it's like, this is serious. This is your life. This is your body. This is your health. This is your fertility. This is your children's health. The next generation, the next generation. This is serious. Take it seriously. Do your Mm. research. Be responsible, you know, and, and let people see that we are taking this seriously and that we do care and we do want change. Yeah. And as I love to say, you'll probably laugh at this is you're not a tree. Like you can fucking move. Like you, you're not lodged into the ground. You're not stuck at that one practice or with that one particular doctor um, or that one particular health professional, whoever it might be, you know, you can change and move. Like you can find someone else and seek alternate support if you want to. So, you know, feel empowered to do that, I think is really important. And um, yeah. Yeah. There's something in that um, was come, has been coming up for me a lot in you know, working and and observing the birth space and the postpartum space of, um, you know, there's, there is a tip we can, we can see this. We are at a a very interesting time in our lives where we are literally like, there's a literal split. This reality that we're living in could either be seen as totally horrific or the greatest opportunity we literally have right now in this present moment the opportunity to choose which path we're going to take. There is an opportunity, there's a split right now of like it's either this reality is fucked, we have no power, you know, look at the systems, look at everything that's happening. It's going in like a really dystopian kind of like direction or look at 
the opportunities we have. We can literally birth anyway, right now, any way we want. We can, we have access to healing, free resources, the internet, all of the healing resources that we need to do. Like we can literally access as long as we have an internet connection pretty much for free. Or go to the library for free internet. go to the library for free internet. Like there is no excuse. I, I won't tolerate that kind of thing. We literally have every opportunity. The amount of like healing modalities there are, people offering their services, people out there, people care, people want change, people are showing up if we are still stuck in this this lens of I can't, we're missing what's actually available to us. We have every opportunity available to us. If we're not taking it, that is because of the conditioning. That is because of the wounding. It's because of what we've been taught. And in right now it has to shift because we we literally have everything on a platter at our disposal. We're living in such a an opportunistic time. Massively. And the fact that we have, of course, we're also living in a really fucked time. Both are true, but it's a choice mm. to take I, the opportunities or to get stuck under the weight of the failures and what isn't working. So let's talk about the opportunities and the opportunity for self-responsibility. And I think this really comes back to like if we all just did our own inner work and our own self-work, like so much could change, you know, in this opportunistic world that we are in. So how can one embody the feminine? You know, Mm. like you are the arts of the feminine, (laughs) Uh, the feminine arts. This is Kerry here from the feminine arts practice, teaching us all about how embody our feminine so, and I, something I really love and love witnessing in you um, spending our 12 months together as we journeyed was watching how unapologetically you embody your feminine. And I think it's been a really great lesson for me, but I think that there's so much that can be confusing and overwhelming. And there's so many to do's we can do when really I feel like it could be so simple. So how can one start the process of embodying their feminine if they're brand new to this? that can help them reach that point where they're like, fuck, actually this is opportunistic and I can take full self-responsibility and I can feel, you know, discomfort instead of feeling debilitated. So how can I work through the discomfort? So where can we start? Give us some like top five things or some practical steps or I don't know. It's very, it's very patriarchal. Love to fit, but, try to fit me into a framework. Yeah. You? But, um, but just some things that you would recommend that we can start doing ourselves. Yeah. So the number one thing is start feeling your emotions and your felt body. That is the number one thing. And where I start with everybody, feel your felt body. If you don't understand what that means, get in spaces where they're teaching you to feel your felt body. Mm. Your felt body is your, like your sixth sense. Your felt body is everything from, I need to go to the toilet, I am hungry or I need sleep through to the deeper as we get more subtle, the energetics that are moving through our emotions, our patterns of behavior. But you just start with not overriding your felt body and your needs. If you're hungry, 
you eat. If you need to rest, you rest. If you need to be in connection, you're in connection. If you need to be by yourself, you're by yourself. That is the fundamental layer. And if you don't know how to do that, get in spaces that are teaching you to do that. That is not a quick fix. This is a deep healing and it takes time to understand the language of the body. I'm just laughing to myself when you said this is not a quick fix. It's like, this is the 24 hour quick fix tablet that will help you feel your felt body. And I think, you know, if I was to look at the wounding of the patriarchal is that we live in a world that's so fast paced and, you know, everything is fast, fast, fast. Yeah. Fast fashion, fast feeling, fast relationships, just like got to get it done. Whereas what, how can we slow down and actually feel ourselves fully? And so I love, I love that you've shared that. Well, that's also, I love how you embody this. I have a little side note story, like being in circle, we're sitting in circle three days straight and I look over and, you know, on day one and a half, Kerry's asleep in the middle of circle because she's feeling her felt body. Yeah. And she's like, fuck, I'm actually really tired. I need to take a little 10 minute nap or a 15 minute nap or an hour nap or however, however long it lasts. So yeah, fully embodying that is, um, yeah, really important. It's really important. And you, the thing that women I think are the most afraid to, to admit is if you really do that, how fucking exhausted everybody is. Mm. Like the the core level depletion and overriding of all of those times where we needed deep rest and we didn't take it or didn't allow it or couldn't take it because of like obligations and things we've added to our life based on what we thought we should be doing. It's like at the end of the day, women are burnt out, they're depleted, they're all of these things and it's you know that'll be the first thing of just admitting that the exhaustion that's at the core of it all Mm. and that could be lifelong work just feeling your felt body it is lifelong work it is the path and because it's what it does is it brings us into the present moment brings us into truth and it then allows us to expand on what's in the present moment if we're always overriding the present moment always trying to get to the next thing we never find the gift and the pleasure and the joy that's actually inside of the present moment. And most people can't even hold the opening to the present moment because the amount of sensation, the amount of overriding and the amount of stuff that really is there and present, if we're actually pause and stop, there's a lot of grief. There's probably a lot of anger. There's a lot of, um, you know, feelings towards the injustice of this reality and that needs to be felt Mm. in order for us to really be in a conscious, sober relationship with what's going on. Oh, I love that. A conscious, sober relationship. Beautiful. Right? Like how many can, um, you know, really say that they're in a sober relationship with their body and their reality? Mm. Yeah. I love that one. Now, anything else that you would love to contribute to like how we can embody our feminine? Mm, more steps. <laughs> like how I asked that me something saying. more practical. And what's step two, Carrie? What's step two? And it's funny because I'm like, I'm not really a steps person. I don't give clients steps or, you know, I don't teach my coaches to give steps, but I think for people 
who are just approaching this journey and they're still so in the other world, having some tangible things really helps their transition. Totally. And this is what I teach inside of my programs is actual practices and actual steps. Steps. (laughs) Not steps, but practices. (laughs) Like I would call them practices. I don't like steps because steps implies that there's an end goal to it. Mm. A practice is a devotion to the present moment and being with what is. And then from there, the steps emerge from within ourselves. They're not told to us by someone externally necessarily. Sometimes with my students and my clients, I'll be like, the next thing, you know, what does the next thing feel like? And they'll either say it, you know, or they won't, but it's like, there is a naturally kind of like a next thing, but it should emerge through us. So in terms of steps, next practice, <laughs> what is the next it, practice? It's what is the next practice? So the next practice after the, like being in touch with our felt body and being in spaces is to be in connection with nature is to ground is to be able to put our body on the earth in connection with the elements like be on the earth be in water connect with fire this is what brings us into relationship with our elemental nature which is our body you know because we have all of these elements working through us we have all of these emotions moving through us we have you know this deep need to be secure and stable and connected to the earth and connected to our flesh which we can do in connection with nature so just following what it means to be, Mm. to rest, following what it means to be in terms of our natural state in connection to Mother Earth, follow what it feels is like natural in terms of sisterhood and community. These are all natural things to feel our body, our felt body, to feel our breath, to feel what our needs are, to eat, to laugh, to connect, to not connect, to be in nature, to be on the earth, to go for a swim, to lay our body in the sun, to be in sisterhood, healthy sisterhood, healthy connection, healthy community, feed each other, eat together, laugh together, cry together. These are foundational principles of being human. And that's so powerful. That would be my top three. Mm, I love that. Oh, community. It's everything, community. right? Community. community. And yeah. um, I love, it's a, I think it's a Taoist saying that we are not of the eight, um, we are not of nature, we're on nature. Like we aren't just part of the world living on top of the earth. We are part of the earth. Yeah. We are. It. And um there's so many Ayurvedic teachings around that. And I really, really love that everything you need to learn, the lesson is in nature. It's in nature. And the other one, if, you know, if we, I don't know if I'll get five, but four (laughs) is create, make art. Mm, You know, you're so good at make art, learn, like you're not disconnected from your art and your creation I don't care if it looks like a shitty pile of clay or some random like pencil scratchings on a piece of paper make art or a sandcastle at the beach exactly create create every day in some way you have to be created because the biggest way they sever us from our power is to sever us from our channel of creation Mm. you have to be creating if it's weaving it's creating a plat with three blades of grass, like create something, create magic, create, you know, 
create intimacy, create meals, create shared experiences, create love, you know, make love. You know, we have to be in relationship with our creative channel. We have to devote ourselves to it in some way every single day. Mm. I love these practices. I'm like, yes, I love doing all of these, (laughs) Um, which you already know anyway. But I'd love to hear how do you embody these yourself? Now, creative, Mm -hmm. you love clay. Like if you don't follow Carrie, she is the clay maker. She traveled (laughs) to Europe from Australia to learn how to make a particular type of clay pottery. So she's a clay maker. She's a potter, a potter. Would you call yourself a potter? potter? Yes. I feel like I'm a a very novice beginner potter. She potters around. Um, Community. You are, you have a huge place in community. I know you've got multiple different communities, communities you run, communities you're a part of. So yes to that. Mm -hmm. What is connecting with nature look like for you? How do you do this? This feels very simple for me because I live on land. Mm-hmm. Um, I live in the Byron hinterland. I live on property. So as I look out, as we're doing this, I'm surrounded by nature. Um, it is a, a practice of mine to be in connection with nature every day, but I'm barefoot. It's very easy for me. So if I need it, I go and lie on the earth. Most days, especially at this time of year, I'm in the ocean or I'm in some body of water. I'm getting the sun on my skin you know, I'm I'm connecting with those elements. It's not, I don't follow a rigid linear thing. It's, it's what's needed in the moment. Uh, But that's very simple for me. So as a really practical thing is something I teach my students is, is to lay their body on the earth and to regulate a really good solid practice is to learn to regulate your system with the frequency of the earth you know, lay your body on the earth, give her everything that you're holding that you can no longer hold, let her take it and feel yourself start to regulate because the, 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 the frequency of earth is very grounded. It's very stable. We're missing a lot of that in women. It also holds the frequency of the base of our pelvis. That is the quality of earth. And so how we can start to just like feel how we differ from earth is by putting our body on the earth, feeling her, letting her hold us and allowing that transmission and just letting go of anything that doesn't feel that it is in alignment with that sense of groundedness, that sense of inhabiting the body at a really deep level. So that would be my really as practical as I can get my practical steps for (laughs) connecting from the mind rather than like, you know, it's got to come. This is the thing. It's like, it's got to be true for the woman. It's got to come from the body. It can't be like, oh, Carrie and Gemma told me to do this thing. So I went and did it and I just lay my body on the earth and what the fuck. Awkwardly looking at the sky. (laughs) Awkward. It's like, that has to be true. You have to want it. it has to be connected to your desire. Do you want to be in your body? Do you want to heal? Do you want to feel these things? If you don't, that's okay. Mm, and but that's what comes back desire? to the first, the first thing you the first practice you mentioned, which is like start feeling your felt body. And your felt body will be like, oh, I just really want to lay on the earth right now. And you might be like, that's fucking weird. Uh okay, I'll try that. If you've never done that before. So yeah, really it comes into like full practice, like all yeah, full practice of like, because when we feel our felt body, we feel our desire. And mm. you know, and and the desire and the need, when the desire and the need intersect, 
that's when we find equilibrium and balance. Mm. You know, when those are in harmony, it's like, you know, we're very grounded and, and connected in that. And it is, it's like, and I think especially for your listeners, it's really important to, you know, this is going to be a really deep spiritual teaching. So for those just, you know, warning everyone that's not <laughs> deeply spiritual of like, you know, really starting to understand who the who we believe we are in terms of like if you go and lie on the earth and you're like, this is weird, who is the who is the you that you're connected to? Is it all of those stories or is it all of that stuff that's like this is fucking weird or is it the part of you that's like this is fucking deeply true? It's exactly where I need to be because that's the part of us, that's our felt body, that's our intuition, that's our womanhood, that's our knowing, that's the woman that births and bleeds and mothers and walks with self-responsibility. It's that part of you, that's the true thing. All of the mind is that that chatter has just stuff you've been told. So it's Mm. being able to differentiate between that patriarchal conditioning like we started the conversation about and where the fuck you are in all of this who you are, what does that feel like? Where is the you that does the things that are true that therefore creates the life of health and wellness and intimacy and balance and and joy and love? It's like if if you're identifying with all of those thoughts, you're going to have a really fucking hard time. Mm, I hear you. (laughs) And I think those practices, the more those practices become part of your life, not something you have to do because you're feeling the call to do them, you'll start to notice the unraveling of the mind and that the mind, you know, the mind shows up when the mind and the ego are required. You know, like sometimes ego is very healthy in certain aspects when you have the balance and the harmony and the, you know, the great pendulum swing that's even and balanced between the two. This is so juicy. I could talk to you forever. <laughs> um, right. Right. <laughs> we are, we're pretty much out of time though. And I'd love, I do have another final podcast question for you and it's off topic a little bit compared to what we've been talking about. But before we get there, mm-hmm. how can everyone learn about you? Like how can they find out like who the hell is Carrie and where is she dropping these truth bombs? <laughs> So I do have, I'm, you know, I am feminine in nature. So I have my Instagram. I'm not rigid with it. I show up when I, it's true for me to show up there. Um, so that's Kerry Louise. Kerry is with an IE. So Kerry Louise underscore. So that's my Instagram. Um, I have a Mighty Networks platform where all of the teachings and things happen. And that starts with low cost memberships through to like a 12 month advanced program. Um, and, you know, I do one-on-one work. My one-on-one work is, is limited. I don't take on a lot of one-on-ones, but people can, can do that. But the best way is just to start with my Instagram. If you want to go deeper, then contact me or follow the links that you can get to through my Instagram, because there are many, many programs and ways to to do this i have a whole stream of like from the very very creatrix yeah we have the like very very beginning where i drop in and i'll you know take you through some teachings twice a month and practices and stuff like that that's like 50 dollars a month through to like those that work with me in a devotional and dedicated capacity for you know 12 months so it it varies and there's something to meet everybody Mm. 
And that's but I'm always I'm... open to people contacting me and just sharing a bit of where they're at. You can always reach out to me on Instagram and just say, this is where I am. This is what's alive for me. Where do you feel, you know, is best for me to start because I'm here to be of support. And so I'm always open to those conversations. Mm, and I'll pop those links inside the show notes along with your website, which is kerry-louise.com. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That's correct. So much juiciness on there. And I think it's wonderful that you offer such a broad range because sometimes this can be really overwhelming if someone has, you know, lived in a particular mindset or frame of living for such a long time, like taking and making change can be rigid and uncomfortable, but that's where you need to get used to the discomfort to create comfort. And it's a relationship. Mm. So I've got everything from the people that like don't want to be in close relationship with me. Like you can stay over there. You can like just watch recordings. You never have to be on a live call with me. Like it is relationship with this work and that you can't just like tell someone to go like fucking full ball and straight in with that. It's like exactly. start where you're ready and and work at the pace at which you're ready. And there'll always be somewhere for you to have a way to work with me and come closer into relationship with yourself and this work as it's true, but you can stay on the peripheries for as long as you want. Cause it is relational work. It's relational work with your body, your systems, with your partner, with your community. And so we need, I will meet you where I feel that you're at in that. Mm. And you really do feel that. I love that. Mm. Oh, this is so much fun. Okay. Final podcast question. Mm-hmm. Cause I could literally chat to you forever. As we already have discovered in our previous experiences. <laughs> Changing gears completely. Yeah. I want you to think back to your first menstrual bleed. Yeah. Cool. And what are three things you wish you had have known then that you now know today? I feel like we've almost had this conversation in one of our processes, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. I ask, I ask every guest this question. So, so three hands things hands. that I wish I knew then that. Yeah. That I the young Menarch version of Kerry wish she knew that she now knows today. That pain is an initiation and it's okay to ask for support and to be held. And that my body is innately and my womb is innately perfect. Oh. Maybe I'll make a clay piece and I'll <laughs> craft it, inscribe it into the clay and paint it on a t-shirt. <laughs> no, these are um these are fantastic because yeah, I don't want to speak any more to them because they're just so beautiful and divine and they're definitely things I wish I had have learned. Mm. And you know, forever still embodying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is a devotional journey. Yes. Um Kerry, I love you. This has been amazing. Thank you for being here. Thank you for serving and sharing. And um, I'm just, just, yeah, so much love. And this has been so juicy. And I hope that everyone who's listening has taken a lot out of this. And if anything, just starts to really feel their felt body as a foundational practice. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, my love. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning into every episode of the Well Woman Podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. If this episode excited you, please hit follow on Spotify, which means all of my episodes will pop up in your feed weekly so you never miss a weekly drop. I'd love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts too. Love this episode? Come and follow me over on Instagram at wellsome underscore Gemily. Say hi and share what you've taken away from this episode with me. 
Now, is there a bestie, sister, or a friend who you know who might be fed up, frustrated, and confused with their cycles? Are they ready to join you in awakening their cyclical essence too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your socials, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to them. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our cycles. Now, until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.